Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the chat. I am your host, Dwight Henry, and I'm so happy to have a good friend of mine as my guest in studio today. He has uh, he's been involved in ministry for a good while. Served as pastor, lead pastor, associate pastor, youth pastor. He's a uh, a Christian author. Has his own podcast, and uh, I'm very happy to call him my Christian brother and friend. Randall Rittenberry is with me. Randall, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you today? Doing great, Dwight. Thanks for having me. Well, listen, I appreciate your being here. Uh, you and I have come to know each other fairly well, I think, over the last, well, couple of years. A couple now. years, yeah. A couple of years, yeah. yeah. We put each other, up with each other that long. It's been a while, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But thank you so much for being here and uh, and uh, sharing what God is using you to do to advance his kingdom. And, and I must say, it's, it's, it's widespread. I mean, you do a lot of things and do a lot of things well. I know uh, you take on a lot of role and responsibility at Living Hope Church and uh, and help our pastor Ron there, and but I want to talk to you today about uh, specifically and focus on uh, on what uh, your your role as a Christian author and, and that sort of thing. But and we may have covered this the last time Randall you were here, but I want you to kind of revisit or share again just your. I mean, when did you get this urge, this desire, this calling? How did that happen in your life in terms of saying you've got ministry in your heart, Mm -hmm. you didn't know exactly where that was going to take you, or even maybe the first steps to take, but it was there. And talk about how that was birthed and what you did with it. Really, uh, I've known since I was five years old that that I was really? called to preach. Yeah, no I, I did. And my my grandmother used to take me to vacation Bible school at Cookville Free Will Baptist over on Willow with the big yeah. blue cross. And and um, she couldn't drive, so they would come pick us up in the church van. And at the end of this one VBS week, um, the um, the director was driving us home, and and he was just making conversation. Just so I can't remember and the man's name. And you're five years old. Five years old. Just a, you know, he's just a sweet man, and you know, he was. He said, "Well, Randall, what do you want to be when you grow up?" And first thing out of my mouth was, "I want to be a preacher." At five, at years, five old. years old, and I'd actually forgotten that story, and I remember it now that I had that my grandmother reminded me. But the day that that uh, I got um, licensed into ministry at Living Hope, actually. Um, my grandmother was still alive and came to that service, and she reminded me, "Do you you remember this?" And I said, "I do," but I but at that point I hadn't. But you know, it's amazing to see from five years old until I think I was twenty eight when I was licensed into the ministry, <laughs> and to see in those twenty three years just how much God had been influencing my life, and you didn't even know it, you know. Now did that just it just kind of popped out of your mouth? It did. It was the first thing I mean, out of just, my mouth. It just yeah. popped out of your mouth. But, yeah. But I, probably until that moment, you might have not even given it real thought. I mean, most of us at five, we're not. You know, we want to be a cowboy, we want right. to be a baseball player, we want right. to be a fireman, maybe. But out of your mouth at five years old yeah. comes, I want to be a preacher. I want to be a preacher. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then what you said, twenty eight. So twenty three years later. I had that up and down relationship. You know, I hear a lot of people say, you know, I hear these people say, and I admire it. They'll say, well, you know, I came to the Lord and I never backslid and I've always been in church. And I've, well, I, I can't say that. You know, I've got my road, my road, not only in to the Lord, uh, to salvation, but even, you know, rededication, but even my road to ministry, even after becoming licensed ordained, has not been a straight, yeah. you know, black and white straight path and so there's been some curves uh, along the way there have been a lot of curves for me and for, for most people that i know sure sure yeah, yeah. and but what, what what i see though from from five years old i can remember uh, i actually received the lord at, at seven 
and uh, you know got got saved at seven. And I can remember times when I was eight, nine, ten years old, I was sitting my brother and sister down, and and we would read Bible stories, and I was I was teaching. Even at that age, no kidding, and and of course I didn't recognize that. No, then. I, no, I, I do now, but yeah. at the time I didn't recognize so that. So seven, eight years old, you began your teaching ministry. Sure, even, isn't yeah. that amazing? How it's just. I look back at my age now, and I and and you just have. Oh well, that makes so much more sense now. I mean, it was just. Uh, you know, I remember my relationship with my grandmother. Uh, and that that really got me established in working with kind of older people and led me sort of directly into the hospice service that I do now. So so it's, it's you, you've had that calling on your life. Well, God knew what He had for you. Yes. Not that He twisted your arm. No. Not that no. He forced you in that direction. Right. But but you follow that path. It's got to be our choice, you know. And and I go back to the thing that sustains me now is I go back to Jeremiah one five. Yeah. And He tells Jeremiah, of course, any promise that God gave. To anybody, he's not a respecter of person, so yes. he, that replies to all of us. You know, he says, you know, before you were born, I knew you while you were in your mother's womb. I ordained you to be a prophet. Yeah. Well, that's like with all of us. We're ordained, you know, from from our mother's womb, you know, and, and not to take a side trail, but that's why the abortion issue is so huge. You know, yes, it's such yes, a big yes. deal because, because those are purposes, and Satan knows that. He, yes. he understands that. And, but... That never leaves us. You know, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. They're there whether we walk in them or not. Yeah. They're there. And and, and, and even in uh, in things that I teach and, and in my latest book, I even talk about this. It doesn't matter where you go. You can't escape your calling. Teachers are going to teach. Leaders are going to lead. It may manifest differently, but that's what's going to Business happen. people are going to be in business. Exactly. All of that. I mean, exactly. Going to, you're calling everybody's life. And, you know, let's park there just a second, you know, on the, that, I, love, I love that you touched uh, uh, particularly now that uh, this case is moving toward the Supreme Court mm-hmm. uh, that could make drastic changes in Roe v. Wade. Yes. Uh, you know, the, uh, but, but God does have a purpose. Now, we need to say this. You know, if if, we're, if a lady's listening to us and she's had an abortion, God's not angry that's with That's right. You. He's not but mad. Talk about that for just a second. Well, the scripture is very clear about this. It says, you know, in um, in Second Corinthians five, uh, verse nineteen, to know that God was in Christ reconciling the world yeah. to Himself, not holding our sins against us. And the layman's terms means God's not mad at us. Yeah, you know, He He's not the author of condemnation. The scripture is very clear that we condemn ourselves. Yes, and, and you know, He's not the one doing it. In fact. Everyone quotes John three sixteen, right? Yeah. Well, we forget John three seventeen, which says God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. Yeah. We forget that, but God, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's abortion, adultery, you know, God, God forgives. You know, it, it's there, and it's just there. To, all you have to do is ask for it. Yeah. That's it. And He didn't advocate us to continue that life. Correct. But but that, but but His grace is is bigger than our sin. Yes. And, we can, and God can use our mistakes and our past and our curves in the road, just like we talked yeah. about, just like we talked about earlier, for uh, to to grow us. We can become better. We can become better. Right. Or we can we can use those experiences to be a blessing to other people. Yeah. And we've seen that. We've seen that with the jail ministry that you and I do. Yeah. Down in Jackson County. Just last night, yeah, you know, there's 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 women down there serving those other inmates that were actually in that jail, yeah, and, and received the Lord there in the jail, yeah, and now they're serving out of out of that, and so yeah, they're serving. They were last night. They were serving the same. They were serving the inmates who are there now. 
uh, at the place where they firmly serve time. Yes. And God is God is using that, turn right. their life around, that sort of thing. Well, when we come back, I want to walk into the books that you've written okay. and talk about those. And I do appreciate you being here today. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. Randall Rittenberry is my guest today. We're back with more on the chat in just a moment. We're back on the chat. I'm your host, Dwight Henry. My guest today, Randall Rittenberry. Randall, as I mentioned, has served as pastor, youth pastor, associate pastor. He's a Christian author, has a podcast, and has done lots of things in ministry and a, and a calling that uh, at five years old, you said earlier, somebody said, what do you want to be? And you said a preacher, and, and you were teaching. You said your brothers and sisters at seven, reading Bible stories yeah. and that sort of thing. And God has led you. He's led me in spite of curves in the road and other things. We've uh, uh, he's, he's led us into what he had planned for our lives. And one of the things that uh, you have done, and, and I've done not as much as you, is you've, you've written and mm-hmm. the three books, uh, and the first book was called Core Ministry. Yeah, Core Ministry. Randall, talk about Core Ministry. What was the message you wanted to convey to the folks who read Core Ministry? It was really more of an internal document when we were pastoring, when I was pastoring my own church, uh, designed for people who come onto staff and into leadership positions, so that we could all get on the same page and they would understand, you know, where I was going, and and we would have to sit and have meeting after meeting after meeting in. They could just take that book and say, oh, this is his basic philosophy. This is where and and can I get on board with that? And, and what core ministry? And I'm actually going to rework that uh, and release it. And it, but it's going to be more of a, uh, a kingdom book, you know, where and what what it basically boiled down to was what are the core ministries within church that, okay. that we should have? Uh, and I boiled it down, of course, to to worship, praise and worship, um, children's ministry, youth ministry and. And it was, I think there was a couple more I had to go back. I, I'll be honest with you, I can't remember the, the whole yeah. thing. It's been a while. Um, and, and I talked about how it was so important to have just the core ministries. And anything that stemmed out past that, it was it was very significant. It's very important to me that that churches don't get identity from what they do, just like individuals. You know, we fall into this trap where uh, us as individuals, we think we are the sum of what we do. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we try to get our worth from what we do and what we accomplish. And, and I fell into that trap in the first years of my ministry. That's what I did. I mean, I, I, I was trying to get validation more than I was serving. I mean, I was serving. I mean, it was not, it's not sure. like you don't do that. But at my core, I was seeking approval and validation. Um, and, and so, based on performance. Based on performance. But And I also think that organizations, from an organizational mindset, do the same thing. And here's what I mean by that. Yeah, wow. You know, I, I, I have been a part of and seen churches, say, that would have these great ministries, children's ministry, youth ministry. And then someone would come along and like, I want to start a nursing home ministry. And there's nothing wrong with the nursing home ministry. And then that person would leave the church. Well, now, if 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 the leadership of that church and the staff of that church thinks that, well, this is part of what we do, this is who we are, then they will pressure people to take that over that may not be their heart to do. Yeah. Right. Or, or someone oh, else will good. get stuck doing it. That's not called to do it, you know? And, and, and so what I did, I said, these are the core ministries. Anything that if someone comes to us and say, Hey, I want to start a jail ministry. We're going to help you do it. No problem. Yeah. But I'm, I'm under no pressure. If you stop this to continue it. Right. It, from because a pastoral perspective. Right? That's because that's not where your value comes from. That, yeah. Right. That's wasn't, that wasn't the core value of the church. Yeah. I you got know, you. So, and I heard a pastor say this one, one time, Randall, and I'd like to get your thoughts about it. He said, he said uh, 
if you really believe this is the church that God has called you to, your 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 church family right now, where you where you believe you're supposed to plug in and be a part of, if mm-hmm. if you believe that in your heart, then there's something here for you to do. Yes, respond to that, or how, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, absolutely, yeah. um, I think I think. One of the problems we have in the body of Christ in the church in the church is that we have too many people who sit. You know, um, when we went back to Living Hope, you know, we started. You know, everything I done in ministry early on started at Living Hope, and yeah. then we left for a season, and, and we're back. And, and and Pastor Ron asked me, we, we we met, and I said, you know, we'd love to come back, and and he says, you know, how do you see this going? And I said, oh, well, I don't have any expectations. I said, but you and I both know that I can't just come sit. Yes, I can't. And 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 no, are you supposed to? No, are we supposed to? And so you know, you you know, here's what I tell people: if they say, "Well, I'm not sure what I'm called to do," do something. There you go. I don't care if it's ushering, door greeting. You know, take it upon yourself. My my first ministry was scrubbing toilets. I took really? it upon myself, you know, when, wow. when Pastor when we moved from his his garage to to underneath the Veterans Building. Yes, where you rented, yeah. That, when we went when we went over there, I said, I said, hey, I want to come and I want to clean the church every Tuesday afternoon. It was either Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon before church. I said, I want to, and I took it upon myself to just to go do that, and and it was from that that the Lord began to say, well, you're called to teach, you're called to preach, you're, but but you know, it's kind of like um, what's what's the word um, uh an object that an object that it's easier to change the an object that's in motion stays in motion. That's yes. what it is. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and, and, and so the inertia, inertia, law of inertia. And so it's easier. It's easier to if a boulder is rolling downhill, it's easier to change its direction than it is to get it started. Exactly. And so that's that's kind of you know that that so was do something. Do something. It, it might not be what you're doing six months later, a year later, or whatever. But get active and and use use whatever talents and abilities. Just do something. Absolutely. You know, and ushering is easy to do. Door greeting is easy to do. Yeah. You don't have to be a teacher if you don't want to teach. That's that's fine. You know, if you have a a, a, a musical talent, use that somehow. You know, um, I tell you something that blesses me more than anything. And it did when I was when I was on staff at churches when I was a pastor, is to see somebody. And you see him out of the corner of your eye, bend over and pick up a piece of, of, of a full wrap or something that had fallen on the floor and just throw it away. Yeah. We don't even think about those things. We think, well, there's janitorial for that. No, won't you just pick it up? You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> it's know? about serving, isn't it? It's just about it's serving. It's about serving. That's it. And it's, it's good that it, it's good we advocate people go to church, but really that is so true. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that 80 20 thing, you know, uh, 20% <sighs> of people do 80% of the work, and, some, and that shows up in churches sometimes. But if folks that are listening today, right now to this program, if you're plugged into a fellowship, if you've got a person you call your pastor, a church you call your per- church home, you know, you're, you're there there to be blessed for sure and to yes. grow but you're there to be a blessing you and, and, and that 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 uh, that probably speaks to a lot of people today yeah yeah it's what, and, and if you go back at, at the life of abraham the lord said i, I want to bless you i want to make your name great so that you can be a blessing yeah so we, yeah we go to be blessed but if we're not blessing out of that out of being blessed and you know if we're, if we're not finding our place in the church the scripture says the whole body lacks yes the whole body lacks, you know, and and we and we know this. We uh, we're not uh, we're not saved by our works, correct? You know, but uh, but James does tell us, "Face without works is dead." Yep. I mean, we're saved. We're saved. We're saved. To the, Jesus said Himself, "The greatest of all is the servant of all." Yes, and you're never greater than when you're serving. That's right. Yeah, That's absolutely right. And and 
again, I just encourage people just just do something. Yeah, you know, and and then through that, you'll find what you're supposed to what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you know. And so your your uh, your your book uh, core ministry uh, had to do with with the basic what what the churches ought to be about. You know, yeah. In, in my view, the the core ministries, you know, the 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 for our church anyway, where this is what we we have to do to be successful to serve people. They're coming here to minister to them, to, so their needs are met. Everything else is, you know, everything else is just peripheral. It's peripheral. And, not and, that it's not important, but it's right. not, not core. Yeah. Right, yeah. Randall Rittenbeer is my guest today on the chat. So happy you could be with us. More in just a moment. We're back on the chat. I'm your host, Dwight Henry Randall Rittenbeer is my guest today, and we're talking specifically about how God has used him to write uh, three books. One was Core Ministry. Uh, boy, we could, we could stay parked here for a oh, long we time. We could say, yeah. you know, there, and, and oftentimes, basically, bottom line is you're in a church. Uh, you're there. God's placed you there. You believe that. You know that. Do something. Do Start something. by doing something. Yep. But but then but then there's oftentimes in the, in church settings, uh, you know, someone gets uh, comes to the Lord, they receive Jesus as their Savior, and six weeks later uh, start getting some responsibility that maybe they maybe they're not ready for. Yeah, and you know, Paul addresses that in Timothy, right? He says, "Don't put a novice yeah. into into leadership, you know, because they they they're gonna they're gonna get their identity attached to it. Yeah, you know, they haven't worked, they haven't even worked out." The fact that they're righteous, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Now, what should let's let's go back to that. So, so uh, the identity it becomes attached to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Their value might become attached to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, if they don't do that anymore, or if they mess up with it, you know that impact that, that causes a lot of dominoes maybe to fall. So, what do we? Uh, let's take that a step deeper. What do we attach our identity or our value to? How do we? Where does that come from? The Randy? cross. Yeah, the cross. It comes from the cross. It comes from what Christ did for us. Because really, without that, we have no value. Yeah, we don't. You know, we we you know God placed the value on us in regard to His Son. You know, we see that over and over again. You're not bought with with perishable things like silver and gold, but you're bought with the precious blood of Christ. And we have to get our identity out of the fact that Christ paid for our sins, that He became our sin, and 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 that's taken care of. And now. Because he became our sin, the scripture says that we become righteous or have right standing with God. Yeah. That's our value. You know, if, if we can't get value out of that, then everything else is dead works. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember as, as a child, uh, you know, growing up, we, uh, my dad was disabled when I was very young, mentally ill. Uh, nervous breakdown, which had in a small town, maybe everywhere, I don't know, that had a, had a stigma attached to it. If mm-hmm. it had been high blood pressure, heart attack, cancer, it wouldn't be mentally ill. We were, uh, as a result, uh, our world's upside down. Daddies went to work and mamas had babies back in those days, so we're in public housing, right. we're poor, uh, had a serious weight problem. So my whole self-image was really was really just upside down. Didn't feel yeah. good about who I was, how I looked, the stigma attached to my dad's illness, living in public housing, the whole nine yards. But when I came to the Christ and, and I started to realize God places value on me, not because of where I live, who I am, what yes. I do, but because he loves me unconditionally, it started to change the way I looked at myself because it wasn't about my performance or economic situation. It was about what value he placed on me as, as an individual. Am I right about that? Absolutely right about that. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, and that helped me a whole lot. I don't know if you had those kind of challenges or not, but I sure did. Oh, oh yeah. (laughs) Huge, (laughs) huge, you know, it was 30 years old before I really, really dealt with all that, you know, and, 
it's it's hard. Yeah, I knew I knew that I was uh, I was when I died I was going to heaven, but I just didn't really have any concept about the here and now benefits about God's unconditional love for me. He had a plan, He had a purpose, and and he he thought I was special. He thought I was unique. I was yep. you know I was gloriously and wonderfully made. And when that started to seep into my thinking and into my heart, it changed my whole direction in life. It Absolutely. really did. Absolutely. And, you know, in regard to going back to um, doing having something you do become your identity. Yeah. The, the other problem with that is if you don't settle the issue that I'm righteous in Jesus, if God wants to change again in the law of inertia. Yeah. You know, if God wants to change a direction, but you're too attached to this thing you're doing, then you can be out of the will of God. Yeah. You know, but because because you're so attached to this over here, you can't oh, yeah. let God take you somewhere else. Because who am I without this thing? Yeah, right. And, and, oh, and yeah, I struggle they, with that. I struggle with that. Oh, I bet. You know, and when you, you know, that becomes who you are, what mm-hmm. you do becomes who you are. Yeah. And that's not what you're. That, that's not the way God designed and, and the purpose for your life at all. No, and and it causes so many other problems because you start seeing everybody is trying to take away your position or take oh, yeah. away your the thing that you identify with. You're not you going to take my job. Yeah, well, right, yeah, yeah right. really. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. Uh, core ministry. Well, I, I mean, that, that was your first book. That was the first book, first yeah. book. Let's begin to talk about it in the time uh, that we have left here. Uh, the second book, What Makes People Click? Yeah. That is a fascinating <laughs> title. And uh, you know, give, us, give us an overview about what the message you wanted to communicate with that book. Yeah, that one was based on the uh, the DISC personality oh, okay. testing. You know, uh, there's so many different personality testings. You know, there's saying one and and that that particular one, then the ABCD one. This one is the DISC DISC, and it's basically a way to to determine what kind of personality you have, and um, and be able to see the giftings that you have just naturally yeah. because of those. And what I found is is that those things. Um, because grace is bigger than all that anyway. Yeah. That what I found is in regard to um, administrative stuff, it works better in a business setting than a ministry setting. Because what I found is a lot of times people um, are put in the wrong positions based on their personality. Yes. And a lot of people get the wrong type of education because their personality doesn't suit that education. And then when they get in the business world, they wonder why they have, they have, they struggle. And, and, and employers wonder sometimes, well, why, why do people struggle in this? Well, they struggle because their personality is not suited to it. But really it was more, that book was more designed to, to say, if you had relationship struggles, well, it could be that you're not relating to this person and they're not relating back based on your personalities. Yes. You know, and and I'd love to take that. And it, that book is still in, in print. I mean, not print, but it's, it's still available as an ebook on Amazon. But hopefully one of these days I'll get the time to just kind of take that a little farther. Um, now, about your books before we in the, in the final minute or so we have on, on the show today, Core Ministry and What Makes People Click. Talk how, how can folks who want to pursue that get a copy of it? Talk about how they can reach out and find that those books. Well, Core Ministry is actually out of print. Okay. It's it's totally out of print, um, but it but I'm gonna revamp it and, and re release okay. it. But um, what makes people click, and then the, the the new one, discovering purpose, can be found on Amazon. Uh, you can just type in my name into Amazon search, and it'll pull right up. Uh, discovering purpose, the paperback, you can get either through Amazon or through my website, which is randallrittenberry.com. Yeah. 
I want us to come back also and continue next week on this on this matter of this book of what makes people click personality types. Mm-hmm. You know, personality types. I've studied up maybe not as much as you the the disc profile and uh, and you're right and you and once you understand the personality of some of someone, you know, basically what drives them and makes them click. Right. You you know a whole lot more about how to communicate with them. Right. Exactly. You know a whole lot Absolutely. More. And God gave. Everybody, whether it was you, me, or the Apostle Paul, the kind of personality that we had to have to do the job he's called us to do. Mm-hmm. I, does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, next week when we come back, we're going to, if you like, we can explore that, you know, sure. those four personality types and, and talk about that a little bit in addition to your uh, in addition uh, to your uh, your Discovering Purpose book. Uh, Randall, thank you so much, and I look forward to continuing this conversation next week. Well, thanks for having me, Dwight. I appreciate it. Randall Rittenbeer is my guest today. So happy to have you join us. Join us same time next week for The Chat.